You're listening to WJMF Radio, the beat of Bryant. What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Brian Costa, and we have got a great episode in store for you today. With less than two weeks before the start of the NFL preseason, I want to dive into some of the league's most pressing stories and break down how a major change could be coming to the game in the nary, in the very near future. Joining me on the show today is a big-time football fan and personal friend of mine, John Warren. Welcome back to the show. Glad to have you with us today, man. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Glad to talk some ball. Ha- ha- absolutely, man. So I'm glad to have you back on the show. I know you're doing some full-time stuff right now with uh, your work and doing some engineering stuff. I'm, so I'm glad you're able to make this work. Uh, it's kind of been a crazy day. Maybe we're going to go uh, out to the theater tonight, go see Oppenheimer, try to go see some uh, movies or something. I don't know. It's It's been crazy, man. Yeah, no, I'm definitely excited to uh, see Oppenheimer, you know, uh, it's gonna be insane, apparently. So, <laughs> oh, like the movie. Hopefully, man. I mean, like, there's that whole, uh, there's the whole like crossover thing with Barbie and Oppenheimer. I, like you, I do want to see both. I want to like get that full experience. I don't think I could genuinely sit through the full, like, six hour ordeal that that would be to go to them back to back. But, uh, I'm excited to probably see both of them nonetheless. Hopefully, both this weekend. So, uh, without without that being said, though, I do want to get into the show, talk some sports news. So, uh. You know, we'll get uh, started with, uh, you know, the Patriots. They had a, a pretty interesting week, to say the least. Um, and it all kind of capped off Sunday where uh, for a while we didn't know what the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes was going to look like. He had gone to, you know, a couple different teams. He explored the Tennessee Titans, went to the New England Patriots, now posted that infamous picture in the locker room with uh, Matt Judon saying La Familia. And then just when we thought that maybe he had a shot to come here, our hearts get ripped out and he signs a two year, $26 million contract with the Titans. And man, it's tough as a Pats fan. I thought, you know, we had a shot to really land him and, you know, get Mac Jones, a legitimate weapon. And now I'm kind of just here left, uh, you know, empty handed, John, how do you feel about this move about D hop? Uh, you know, you know, deciding to not go to the Pats. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's like the, uh, Tennessee is where all the wide receivers go to die. I oh, mean, yeah. Julio Jones, mm-hmm. most recent, I would say. But uh, if I'm going to be completely honest, I'd, um, I, I'm i not disappointed. I'm more like, where could we have fit him? As much as good as he is, he's out of, you know, the D-hop of four or five years ago. He's not the best wide receiver in the league. So I think a little hot take here that maybe the Pats wide receiver room was too loaded. I don't think so, to be honest with you. Listen, I think that it has the potential to be a good wide receiver room, but, you know, you're going to have to really bet on Tyquan Thornton to pop in year two. Um, And I just don't think that they have a true outside the numbers guy right now. If you were to put DeAndre Hopkins in there, he would have been the guy lining up out wide. You would have had Juju in the slot. Um, Kendrick Bourne would have been like that third kind of speed guy. And then Devontae Parker, you know, would have been your number four, which at that point you're, you know, trying to just get those guys on the field at that point. So, I think that it would have just I think it would have the move itself would have just reset your depth chart and, you know, had guys actually where they're supposed to be playing like Juju Smith-Schuster is not a number one you know wide receiving target. We learned that from his years in Pittsburgh, and we even saw it when he went to KC and just couldn't really put it together as uh, as that guy there. He had his moments and he was able to help them win a championship, but nowhere along that line were we saying that Juju was the number one wide receiver for that team. 
Yeah, so I think um, I kind of disagree with you on the depth chart. I think um, Devontae Parker has shown that he still has it. I mean, injuries aside, um, I think he's your true out wide deep guy. You have t- you have Thornton to take off the top. You also have Gusecki and Hunter Henry, which Bill O'Brien loves to utilize as tight ends. Mm-hmm. You have a strong running game, a strong offensive line. You got Mac Jones, who to be honest, has a lot to prove coming sure. into this, but and we'll cover that too. Yeah. Yeah. I got some stuff to say about Mac Jones. Absolutely. So John, obviously the Pats losing out on D hop. It kind of, I've kind of wondered, is this a kind of something of a bigger trend for the, for the team? Cause like, you know, you saw the photo with Matt Judon, the locker room and, you know, Deandre Hopkins said La Familia. It seemed like they hit things off and people thought that it could have just been a matter of hours after that post that, Hopkins was going to sign the paper and end up a Patriot. Evidently that wasn't the case. So do you think this is a bigger problem with the culture of the team? Like, you know, this isn't the new England Patriots of five years ago when it, when Tom Brady was here and this team was winning championships, you could go to a veteran guy and, you know, make the, make the pitch of saying, Hey, coming to new England. Sure. It's going to be a grind. We're going to have you work harder than you probably ever worked in your life. But at the end of the day, there's a 50% chance that you're going to be able to call yourself a world champion. And, now you're still being required to come in and do the same thing, but you're not going to, you know, have that same result at best. You like, it's like, all right, yeah, you're still going to have to come in work your ass off. And then what you might be uh, like seven and nine at the end of the season or eight and nine. Like what's like for a lot of teams, like, or players, it's going to be tough to get them on board with coming in here to do that. I think the main reason players are going to come because Bill Belichick is widely respected across the league. Not as much now. And I guess some, recent biases like you have uh people coming out saying he's still not he's not the coach he used to be yeah if we can recall in the last 20 years the one you could say mess up he's made was you know hiring joe judge and you hire back all the old coaches try to run it back but then you have matt patricia as the offensive coordinator yeah that was obviously realistically say that was his one flaw but bill belichick has never been the type of guy to do it because he's always had trying to balance and win all the time with the cap. I mean, you see in it most recently with um... the caps crap, John. I I really do think that. Like, uh, like if Robert Kraft wanted DeAndre Hopkins to be here, he would have put the extra money forth and made it happen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I think it realistically didn't make any sense where the team was right now. As I think we have one more year, we're gonna we're gonna kind of progress, try to push forward with that. I mean, I think realistically, Juju is an upgrade from what we've had. I I just feel like, listen, I like I I don't even hate the Juju move. I I like him getting brought in here, but I see it as more of a lateral move because, you know, you bring him in here, but you take out Jacoby Myers from this offense. And I'm not saying that Jacoby Myers is like the end all be all of of wide receivers, but he was the top guy in the market. You let him walk to the Raiders. And you then brought in Juju for, you know, around the same price. I know that the years are a little bit different, but, you know, it's I just feel like they kind of just brought him in to plug the hole of Myers leaving. You could argue that, I would say, but I say that Juju is anything an upgrade. I don't know. I mean, he's he is older now than Myers. So, like, would you really consider it to be an upgrade? He's only older by a couple of years. Yeah, but a couple of years in the NFL, like we'll talk about this with, uh, you know, the running back position, but. Uh, wide receivers, you know, it, they their shelf life isn't what it used to be either. It's not like you see a 40-year-old Jerry Rice or whatnot running around out there anymore. Like these guys, by the time they hit their 30s, that they, they, you start to see a really sharp uh, drop-off in terms of production. Yeah, you could argue that as well. 
I think you need to realistically ask yourself and take yourself out of the, and all Pats fans need to do this is how I'm trying to handle this sure. is take yourself out of the whole perspective of win every year. And you need to start thinking long-term when we had Tom Brady, it was win now, win now, win now, win now, win now, which makes sense. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Greatest coach of all time. Mm-hmm. Not arguable. Asante Samuel, whatever. Yeah. You know, does not know football. Uh-huh. So and for and just for that perspective, who people don't know, can you explain that? Yeah. So Asante Samuel has gone on the record multiple times saying Belichick can't win without, you know, Tom Brady and everything else to Bill Belichick had. I mean, but I want to say but, but two to, rings with the Giants as a defensive coordinator. But to his point, though, like, you know, we have the the production we've seen with him as a head coach with Cleveland and now with the Patriots, like it hasn't lined up to what we for what you want it to be. I mean, you know, you had the wild card run with Jones um, in his first year here. But, you know, you look at the disaster that was the Cam Newton year. And then looking back on this year with all the blunders that they had. I mean, there are a lot of questions that you have going into this year. And listen, I do think they're going to be a better team in 2023. I just think that they have more talent on the team this year. It's just like you're going to see some sort of an upgrade. But I'm just wondering how much of a jump we're really going to see. I so, think the Pats end up being around 500, and I think they'd be that team that no one wants to play. We are yeah. going to be a very tough team, but in in defense, any team who had Tom Brady and then you replace him is going to have a drop-off. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think the Bucks are going to make the playoffs this year? They no. have virtually the same team without Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, going to be the perfect example. That, and Bill Belichick with the Cam Newton move, which, you know, we could have we could have won a couple of those games. We could have, you know, lost a couple of the games that we won as well. But that year with the town with the talent he had around him, Tom Brady was single handedly, I will say, pretty much a Bill Belichick carrying the Patriots. And then any other team with the team that Bill Belichick had that Cam Newton year, any other coach, any other team guaranteed would have had the first overall pick. You were having practice squad players out there, and Bill Belichick was just out coaching everyone and putting them in position. So, like Josh Uche would literally just be there and just get the tackle and everything else. I mean, like you were having just wild, wild, wild players and like just no names out there that year. That was like so. You're full here in support of Belichick with what's with what's been going on. I yeah. I mean, I think you have to because I think as much as you know the game is getting a little you know ahead of him, he still got it. I think you just got to trust him. I mean, listen, I I I can understand where you're coming from. I mean, listen, I think that with a lot of Pats fans, the idea is like. I I'll take what we're getting from Belichick now because I'd be scared as hell to see what, you know, gets brought in here, but I think he at least still needs to hold him accountable for what's happened. I mean, I give him all the credit in the world for the past six Super Bowls. The, what was it? Um, nine, I, ten think, I think some people are just getting greedy because we have, we are the best, you know, team of like the, <laughs> this century I agree. by far. So I think fans get a little greedy because, you know, Wild card year for both teams. That's pretty good. I mean, Bill Belichick has set the standard so high that it's kind of like questioning. I think people just like, okay, well, we had a couple down years. And it's like, well, did we like we were still in the competition? We were still a pretty good football team. I mean, John, I'm not saying that people can't get greedy with this team, but like the whole Belichick method was that no one was above the team and the philosophy and doing your job and, you know, just getting what needs to be done. And 
you know, that, that was something that was like, you know, shoved down the throats of Patriots fans for 20 years. And then the second Tom Brady walks out the door, you know, they're celebrating a wild card birth. Like that's that, that, that's just, it's like, Oh, thank God. We finally got over that hump. Like it's the, the realities have changed with this team. Like we were, you know, just five years ago or so, or four or five years ago, you know, trying to be like, all right, like, yeah, we're going to win the division again. We're going to, it's just going to be a matter if we have the number one seed or not. Like the standards have changed with this team. And I think that you do need to recognize that because for the past 20 years, it was, oh, the, the team, the model, the method, like it wasn't about one player. And then the second your quarterback walks off the room, you know, the entire team seems to fall off the face of the earth for a little bit. Right. Well, that happens too. when I think you have a quarterback as good as Tom Brady. Absolutely. I'm not discounting that, but you know, you'd expect Belichick to be able to step up in his own right. And it just hasn't happened. I know Brady went to a perfect situation in Tampa. I'm not going to discount that because not only did he have the great offensive weapons of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, adding in Rob Gronkowski, but he, he had a stellar defense he was joining as well. So I'm not saying that Brady, you know, just made it happen down in Tampa, but Belichick's had a couple years now to work the draft, do his thing in free agency. And, you know, they've spent like they did in 2021, but they just haven't hit the way that you think that they should. Yeah, I, I mean, you could agree that, but I think Belichick's also just trying to pretty much just stay competitive, stay competing. I mean, I'm not going to discount the fact that I would say if this year they don't make the playoffs or something else, you really have to wonder, is he in the hot seat? Because the mantra in all of New England sports, you could say, is win, 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 win. I mean, would you say he's the standard would you so say high. He, Would you say he's in the hot seat right now? Right now? I would say Holy after. crap. Wow, we are recording this in a thunderstorm right now? That was just a loud ba- bad batch of thunder. That was crazy. Sorry, but go on. Yeah, so I mean, I think. I think realistically, could you fire Belichick? Would you? If it was any other coach in this situation that's had, you know, coming into this situation. Would you file, fire um, Shanahan? If Kyle Shanahan was in this situation. Who's I, arguably, I could say right now, probably the best coach, I would say, the 49ers coach. If Kyle Shanahan had the past three years that Belichick had, I think he would be on the hot seat right now, 100%. Yeah, which I Lynch and those I guys, think, I think he would 100 percent be on the hot seat. I think he just doesn't have the rings to back it up. And yeah, I think which, that's what is which I think Belichick there. I agree with that. Goat. And I agree with that. But we've seen it with guys like, I mean, you know, one of the famous moves that Jerry Jones did when he brought when he bought the Cowboys was firing Tom Landry, who people thought was untouchable. Like people thought that, oh, Tom Landry, he'll go out on his own terms. And then Jerry Jones comes in there and says, no, I'm bringing in Jimmy Johnson. We're going to. And then that ended up winning Super Bowls. Right. And I'm not saying that those guys that just Hall of Fame coaches grow on trees. But we've seen that success happen with other guys before. Right. And I understand that too. But I would say at least last year, you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was there. I think this year they make a push to be better. And I think you see in this upcoming, you know, year, you're going to think, see some really like surprising stuff. It really, you know, it talks about the team. I really do think that the Pats are a solid team. I think we are in a stacked division. Oh, 100%. I think, that, that, that's what kills us, too, is the division is absolutely loaded. I think the so, Bills so like, are going to win the division. Then you got probably the Jets and the Pats. And I think Miami somehow, some way going to be in that mix, too. And I think the three of us are going to be battling, battling, battling where, you know, and that's you have the, Buffalo on top. And that's the challenge, too, that Belichick has himself with. Because during his years with Brady, the AFC East was 
you know, arguably, if not the worst division in all of football. And now it's one of the most loaded divisions that we have. Uh, yeah, it's ever pretty seen. much flipped. Yeah. Yeah. It's the script is completely flipped. Besides those, um, well, you had like maybe the water... NFC West. Yeah. I mean, you had those couple of years, I would say, with uh, Miami when they were like, okay. And then yeah. you had the but Jets years, the Sanchez years. But it's never been like this. And it's at the point where for the Pats, everything could go right. And the best you could see is a third place finish from them. And, you know, if everything was to hit because of just how good the Bills and Jets could be. I think a lot of people are also discounting the fact that Mac Jones is going to have a bounce back year when you give him an offensive coordinator. And mm -hmm. I think that is very clear and evident that regardless of what happens, he will improve. Mm -hmm. Now, regardless of what happens, I would say that's almost like a fact and a statement that Mac Jones improves. Yeah. With Bill O'Brien. Yeah. We'll get to that in just a second. Right. So. With when it comes to this team, just to end off, you know, I, I, you know, you saw you've seen guys like Matt Judon and whatnot try to be representatives for this team. What do you think is holding them back, though, from acquiring big time free agents, whether it's via a forced trade or getting guys to sign with the team? What do you think is going to evidently hold them back from, you know, finishing and closing these deals with guys like D Hop? I think the one thing that is holding them back is that, you know, realistically, you don't have a guy. Mm -hmm. one guy needs to sign off and do it we had that guy with cam newton as much as people don't want to believe that mm -hmm. everyone loves cam newton he is a guy you know former mvp like it's he's still a guy sure so you had julian like julian edelman's a guy people would play with julian edelman like you have like people like that i don't think mac jones is the guy yet. he doesn't have that pedigree he's not and i mean i can you blame him like no he, I don't think he's there. I think Judon is the guy on the team. Mm -hmm. He's the guy that's consistently making it. And I and I re I respect the hell out of him because he is on Twitter like a hawk. Like if he could win, if like he's gonna have the chance, I think one day to you know when he steps down from the game, if he wants to be a GM, he might have a chance to be a really good general manager because he's gonna have just the ability to make these great pushes and pitches to players and say, hey man, you gotta come here, love the culture, you gotta get in the building. Similar to what uh, John Lynch is doing out in San Francisco. Like, right. He can kind of sell a guy, like a defensive-minded guy, could probably sell some players on you know coming to their team. Exactly. So I think that Judon has a chance to maybe be a very good GM. Yeah. And, I... So, and I feel bad for him because he's just done all these different pitches to players, and none of them have really bought in to say, all right, man, yeah, I'll join up with you. Yeah, I think it's also just due to the fact that realistically with um... – D hop i think it was both sides a little bit i mean mm -hmm. as much as d hop you know he just wants the money at the end of the day yeah which is very evident in the signing with tennessee yeah as much as i think tennessee is now like improved a ton i think it's a short ton improve it's a short-term improvement yeah it's like um we don't know this for certain but it's almost like the um the ramps like how much money do you want to pay to win and yeah that's what the league's turned into mm -hmm. i mean you give Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, like a ton of money. You're giving Travis Kelsey, you know, who's ironically underpaid right now. Yeah. And everyone else, like it's you have a good coach, you pay your quarterback a ton of money and everything else. And if you have a, you know, really good quarterback, you can usually win. Or you have really good defensive players or whatever else not. The Pats have always been that budget team for whatever reason. And I think that's just Bill's philosophy. So he's like, if it were pretty much even on all accounts and you have one guy who can shine or a couple guys who can, you know, you're almost like underpaying or they're undervalued. You can really, you know, make a lot of noise out of that because the team is solid. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is that 
Bill Belichick hasn't, you know, been that guy to be like, okay, we're going to pay this one guy a ton of money and build around him. Mm -hmm. You always see it with the cornerbacks. I mean, they're always leaving JC Jackson, making a ton of money. Yeah. And everyone else like, yeah, I don't know that that's been the whole like issue with him is like he, there is really no one guy that's above the team. Even Tom Brady, we saw that how it played out into the bitter end with them. And, you know, I think that, it worked when they were successful, but now I wonder if there needs to be a philosophy change. So that'll obviously have to take place later this season, but you have been mentioning Mac Jones and his improvement that you want to see from him this year. He's entering year three, but for a lot of people, this could in a sense be his second year. If he wants to completely scrap the disaster that was last season under Matt Patricia. I mean, I have to, you know, kind of give him some flack with that because he was put in a, you know, an awful situation as another thunder, just, completely rolls through here that's insane that's i don't know letting you know i don't know if you guys are hearing this but yeah like that is craziness oh my god so but yeah so with mac jones he's entering into his third year i mean you think that he's due for a huge bounce back year i do i at least think that he will recover from what we saw last year what are your expectations for him um honestly i think he uh probably wins comeback player of the year yeah All right, guys, sorry about that. Uh, Again, I mentioned we were recording this in a thunderstorm, and it just knocked out the Zoom call. So uh, we're going to try to continue this episode with what we got going right now. Uh, Absolutely craziness, John. Sorry about that. It was kind of nuts right there. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting here with you. Kind of scared the crap out of me. (laughs) Yeah, the the lights Um, have been flickering. If you guys actually see back there on our window, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can actually see... uh, um, just different. Like you, you can see like the lightning and whatnot going off. So it's it's kind of nuts right now. Yeah, it's a little scary, but but yeah. So we'll kind of pick up where we left off. Uh, so John, last thing we were talking about was Mac Jones. Um, you know, year three expectations. Um, you know what we kind of think from him. You think that he's due for a bounce back year? I think that he at least will. At, my goal for him at least is to be an improve a slight improvement over what we saw from his rookie season. I'm not asking for MVP aspirations or anything like that, but after Matt Patricia basically broke this guy and favored Bailey Zappi and did all these other things and, you know, just completely got in his head, I'm just looking for him to get back to, you know, basics here. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I think if you give a quarterback a situation like that, it can destroy young quarterbacks, and you see it all the time. I mean... A good example is uh, Sam Darnold. He Mm -hmm. had three separate offensive coordinators in three years, and then he goes to Carolina, has, like, another one, and then now he's on his fifth offensive coordinator in his fifth NFL year. Yeah. And that's, like, kind of – it's nuts. I mean, like, it's stuff like that that really does ruin young quarterbacks. It damages them. It's awful for them. Yeah, so I hate to see it, and I would have loved to see, you know, one more year of uh, McDaniels, and I think it's not totally – that's a different story, but I don't think it's totally his fault. Everything's happening in Oakland. On I a will tangent, but I, I will say this: at least with Bill O'Brien, though, I think you get back to a McDaniel's style offense because, like, right. Mc, McDaniel's and, and O'Brien. It's not that they have they. I know that they have their own identities, but they at least run a similar type of offense to what we saw with the Patriots' success. It's not completely. Um, it's not a completely different like scheme. Yeah, and uh, I mean Bill O'Brien. 
I think the thing that helps him too is he went down to Alabama, mm-hmm. so he knows the same kind of systems that Saban's been running with Alabama and everything. Yeah, Mac Jones is an Alabama guy. I think a little bit of that is going to translate. I'm not expecting that to have be a huge impact, mm-hmm. but I think a little bit of that does will like will translate because you know you can look at the uh, everything else that happened beforehand. And you're like, okay, I start to understand everything, and I think Bill O'Brien, um, he does a really good job with you know rookie quarterbacks i mean yeah. the last time we saw him in the nfl was him and deshaun and i think he did a pretty good job with deshaun watson mm-hmm. during those years i mean deshaun watson was a borderline mvp caliber quarterback during mm-hmm. some some of those times like a hopeful like you were saying do i think mac jones will win mvp um no <laughs> no no one thinks that. no one I thinks think that of mac ceiling jo- is kurt cousins of like not even last year yeah my, like, my dad has given the perfect, I think, um, you know, physical description of him, of Mac Jones, and it's Chad Pennington because I sh- he showed me uh, some Chad Pennington highlights. Obviously, Pennington was part of the Brady Six of those quarterbacks that were drafted before him. You know, had some time with the Jets, with the Dolphins, and I just look at it. Th- if I'll tell you guys this, go look up Chad Pennington's highlights, and it looks like Mac Jones in a different uniform. It's kind of scary. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild to see because. My dad basically told me, you know, because he obviously got to watch them when watch Pennington when he was younger. And he said his thing, he wasn't a gunslinger, but, you know, when he was healthy, it was the fact that, you know, he threw kind of a softer ball, but he was accurate. That was that was the whole thing with Pennington. And I think he said, like, that's what he thinks Jones could be a better version of. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think the biggest thing at the in the AFC is that Mac Jones doesn't throw a hard ball. He's not throwing, you know, yeah. the, the Josh Allen type. You're not like oh, just a workhorse and you can run through people and everything exactly. else. It's it, like the big challenge is what does Mac Jones physically do well? I think he is um I think he's an expert um and just really just understanding offense, like the offense. But and I can scheme against the defense. But, John, most quarterbacks have to be. I mean, like, like I know, like, like a lot of these quarterbacks, like, they need to be geniuses in what they do. I mean, sometimes you find a Jamarcus Russell in their Wonderlick score, right. which is like the QB, uh, like, SAT, is like a six. Right. So, like, sometimes you get some real, uh, some real, some real geniuses out here. But, like, <laughs> like, and geniuses with a quote, obviously. But, um, you know, like most of these guys have a clue with what's going on and right. in the physical talent to just add it on like Jones can, you know, maybe he'll be like a great like guy like Kellen Moore, for example, like, you know, didn't have a ton of the physical talent, but understands the game. Maybe that's Jones. But, you know, I think he needs to have something physically that separates himself. It looks like the deep ball has gotten better this year. I think there was a video clip of him going around airing out like a 70 yard ball with pretty with some uh, pretty easily. So. I mean, that's something to really look upon as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the physical stuff is all, like, flashy and everything. Mac Jones is mobile. We mm-hmm. did find that out last year <laughs> a little bit. I mean, he can definitely get out of the pocket. He sure. He definitely gets hyped up and fired up. Yeah. And something else I would add is almost, like, not to that mental part of the game. Like, he really can read defenses. And I think that's a very undervalued thing in the league. Mm-hmm. Because as much as it's like, okay, the guys physically, like, can, you know, like, just push the ball through the defense. Brett Favre, Josh Allen type deal. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, you could say, too. Yeah. Um, you're pretty much dealing with that aspect of he can just read the defenses and see everything just sitting back there. Yeah. People forget that he took the job from Cam within a week because he was picking up the offense very quickly. I mean, him at Alabama, it's almost like 
the playmaking ability of just knowing where to put the ball, where to throw it. And it's almost like he's like you have the offensive coordinator, coordinator and you almost have an assistant out there as the, you know, quarterback. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll, and I'll give him credit too. Like, I think he's been putting in the work. Like, uh, unlike last offseason, he's been pretty much off of social media. And, like, it was crazy because I think today, like, the Patriots are doing, like, one of those uh, TikTok trends, like the pass the phone challenge. And I saw Jones on there for a second, and I was like, wait, is that actually Mac Jones? Because he's been, like, radio silent this entire offseason. So I'm hoping he's just kind of been, like, in the lab working on his craft, trying to actually, you know, just really step up and get better. So – I think that O'Brien's going to be a huge help for him. I mean, you can't say that he's – because at the end of the day, Bill O'Brien's not going out there to catch passes. But um, he at least understands how to run an NFL offense, which should be at least the bare minimum for him at this point. Yeah, and I think Bill O'Brien gets a lot of discredit. But his time in Houston, they were very effective offense with Deshaun. So I'm very I'm, excited. They were an effective offense with, like, Matt Schaub. <laughs> they were I making know. things happen. So I'm very excited to see what he can do. And I think, you know, as long as Mac Jones can kind of play along and not let this last season, like you were saying, really distract him, I think he has a great chance of, you know, having a – possible comeback player of the year mm-hmm. i think realistic now do you think the additions that the patriots have right now of mike Kosecki, juju all those guys that we mentioned previous are enough or do you think that you want this team to maybe go out and you know i know that um dalvin cook has been a name of interest um leonard fournette actually just took a visit to the team recently do you think that there still could be more to add to this team to help jones out or do you think that this is enough for him to um establish himself at this point I think um, I think this is all you give him because I don't think you overwhelm him. Mm. I think you're keeping expectations low for him, and for him that's um, pretty low. I mean, you have a solid cast. I wouldn't say everyone you know is the star-studded names, but I would say Thornton's gotten better. Thornton's put on muscle, and that's big. He was just a, s- a small guy, but fast as hell. You know that yeah. guy was outrunning everyone. You have Kendrick Bourne, who's just put on 15 pounds of muscle as well. And he's actually going to play this year, guys. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's back on the field. Like, he's not in the doghouse again, which I said this from the very start when Matt Patricia put him in the doghouse and, you know, shut him down for what was pretty much all of last season. And then when he got in games, he was a stud. Like, he still showed he could play. Matt Patricia in had no right to to discipline Kendrick Bourne like that. I understand that maybe it was a top-down order from Belichick and that can change some things, but Matt Patricia, you know, deciding who was going to go on the field for for the Patriots, he has no power, in my opinion, to dictate that. On defense, he has a clue. He's very good at what he does on defense. I think that he's a very good defensive coordinator. He should not have had any right to dictate who was going on the field for offense for the Patriots. He should have said, best guys are going to play, and Kendrick Bourne is one of the best guys for this team. And I agree. I mean, you got to recognize that. I have no idea what was going on with his head during that time. If anything, you could have had Joe Judge run the offense, and hey, maybe we actually won a couple games. Not saying Joe Judge is like you know good, but I think he's better than Pat. competent. Maybe. Yeah, I think he's maybe. better than Matt Patricia. But but at the at the end of the day, same at the end of the day, you know, yeah, you can't I mean, really tell because like they've done a couple. You know, there were some questionable plays with the Giants too. That you yeah, could, that I you still I still you got to give Judge some credit. I mean. He he was a special teams coordinator hopping in to a head coaching role mm-hmm. after being assistant coach. At, I think he went straight from Alabama to the Patriots to the Giants. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty hefty expectations. Boom to boom to boom. Oh, yeah. 
But I do think, though, Gasecki is a huge upgrade. I think I'm I'm very excited to see the double tight end offense with hopefully Gasecki, you know, goes out there. We know we all know he can block because that's all he did in Miami last year. Yeah. The year prior, he was out there making one handed catches like nothing. Yeah. And really like people were like, is he a top five tight end? And then he just blocked. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I'm very excited. I think Hunter Henry has, you know, now something to prove being so hyped up and then you know he had a couple like i think he had like a couple good games and then after that you know he kind of fell off but i really am excited i think juju is a is reliable and i think that's what mac jones needs yeah because you need those reliable guys you have him born you have parker if he can stay healthy i think he's gonna be a huge huge part of the offense if we're good i think stevenson it as well and i think we do you know i think stevenson's gonna be splitting reps with a couple of the sophomore running backs coming up but other than that, I mean, I think you kind of just roll with what you got and, you know, old old faithful just kind of lean on the defense. I'm very excited for that. We made some huge additions, mm-hmm. which, you know, no surprise, Bill Belichick run team. Exactly. So. So, yeah, I mean, John, I, I, I will say this. I am excited to see what the Pats have going forward in 2023. I think it's going to be a very different team than what we saw last year. But you just mentioned reliability with Juju and with other members of this team and that the reliability has been kind of a question that is uh, being asked of one very specific position in the NFL right now, and it's caused a lot of controversy, as um, you know some major running backs have you know didn't get the contracts that they wanted. There was actually a deadline, the um, I think it was like this past Monday or so, for um, you know players to get extended or have to be opted into a franchise tag. So um, I know. Let's see right here. This, so this is from CBS Sports, and it says that um, it was a disappointing Monday for running backs as three pro bowlers who were franchise tagged, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, Saquon Barkley of the Giants, and Tony Pollard of the Cowboys, failed to receive long-term second NFL contracts from, from their respective teams ahead of the deadline to receive such deals. All three are set to play the upcoming 2023 season on a ten on a $10.1 million fully, fully guaranteed contract without long-term security. So this salary is actually a decrease from previous franchise tags. All other positions in football, like the quarterback position, I think went from $18 million to $30 million for a, for a franchise tag. And then the wide receiver tag has gone up well as well. The running back tag has lowered, and it's one of the only positions that's done that. So a lot of people are saying that the running back position might be dead, which is kind of crazy. Like, you know, which seems crazy because like for every for anyone who plays fantasy football or anyone who's just watched football growing up, you know, even, you know, in the early, say, the 90s or the early 2000s, running back was a pivotal position of, you know, of the game. Like you couldn't you couldn't really have a good team without one. And it's you know, it's completely gotten flipped on his head at this point. So, I mean, you know, you have a guy like Saquon Barkley. You know, five, six years ago, he's getting a big time contract extension. You know, there's nothing in his production that would say, oh, don't bring him in again. So, like, what do you think of this right now? I think it comes down to the quality of players you bring in. I think Bill Belichick is not even in terms of Bill Belichick, just the league. This is a league. No, trend I know, right I know. Now. I think it's in terms of honestly, like Bill, Bel- the Bill Belichick type deal is that like, remember when we like the Pats? I say we. 
the pa- the Patriots were winning all these Super Bowls. We never had that star running back. We had Legarrett Blunt, Sony Michelle, and then you had like someone else, and we were just running the you know multiple running backs all at once. Mm-hmm. And I think like seriously, like that started to evolve. You saw then Kyle Shanahan doing it, and then you saw it more in college. You know, you would have a two-headed like running back duo, like you saw that at Georgia a couple years ago, and. Like you saw the Chubb and Michelle, like you start running multiple backs and everything else. And then that starts evolving into, you know, seeing more and more just, okay, well, we can just find a couple serviceable guys. But unless you have those, um, you have those one guys, like the special guys, Barkley's a special guy. Barkley should get paid. You got Christian McCaffrey. He should get paid. You know, you have Nick Chubb. He should get paid. You have Derrick Henry. He should get paid. You got a bunch of those guys like that that are like, you know, once in common, like the uptime guys that, you know, should really be getting a ton of money. The other guys, I mean, it's kind of hard unless you can do everything and you really are leaning on the team. Like, you got to think about the Giants. The Giants' offense is Saquon Barkley. Yes. It's it, it like, the, yeah, that's the one thing that is shocking that the Giants wouldn't pitch into that because it's not like it's like, oh, yeah, we're a run first team. And we could take Saquon Barkley out and put any other back in, and it would work the same way. Right. No, it runs because of the success of Saquon Barkley himself. It's not just like a running back like, right. team. And that's the same thing I think you could honestly say for like the Browns and you got a Nick Chubb type guy. That guy's a beast. It doesn't matter who they were playing. Like He was still getting yards. He was still you know leading the league in rushing because he's just a guy. I think, though, the problem is that you know, we've seen this as a bucking trend in the NFL now that, you know, guys aren't, you know, Frank Gore playing to like the age of 38 years old, or I just looked it up, Emmett Smith playing to the age of 35. That's not really the case anymore. Like these guys, by the time they get to their mid to late 20s, they're considered cashed. I mean, I, I looked it up. Todd Gurley, who was for a long time one of the, you know, the premier running backs in the league for some of you guys was probably the first um, first pick on your fantasy teams. He's 28 years old, and he's been out of the league for three years. Right. And it, it seems like just like – it seems like, you know, you, you remember this guy coming into the league and tearing up the tearing up the game. But then, you know, he played – like got a couple I, injuries. Yeah. He, you know, he got that he, he got his second contract with the Rams and then immediately tore up his knee. And I think after seeing that, a lot of teams were just like weak – like he was – like Todd Gurley, when he was at his peak, was – the guy like there was no questioning it right and now you look at it and it's like do we want to even really risk this anymore like what's what's the what's in it for us if we really go for it now like i mean yeah like like sure like you said derrick henry is great but if he if his knee goes and he misses a whole year and he comes back who knows what he's gonna look like at that point like the tread on those guys the tread on those guys tires it's just it it's just a very demanding position and it's not forgiving whatsoever. So Yeah, it's a sad life of a running back and I mean it's, I think it's crazy. Most and, running backs, right? You could probably attest to this. You got your rookie year and everything else. Like let's say um I don't know. You got your rookie year, you do your whole thing. You usually get one contract after that. It's Dalvin Cook. You get one contract after that. After that contract, you, you might get a tag and then that's it. You, Yeah, that's pretty much your career. And it's it's a very interesting situation right now because Saquon Barkley actually came out and he said that he'd be willing to sit out this entire season, kind of pull kinda a, Le- a Le'Veon Bell. Ex- yeah, exactly. A Le'Veon Bell situation. And frankly, I don't think that's a smart decision for him because it, in his situation, he wants to be getting all the money he can. I know that 
10 million is a, a couple mil short of where he wants to be paid but in his but for his sake his legs are only going to be so healthy and he's only going to be able to have such so long of a prime before you know eventually you know his body gives out if I'm him I would take all the money you can and get out because if you look at the Le'Veon situation he sat out for that full year with the Steelers got I think an okay contract with the Jets and then was out of the league I think in two years two three years yeah so was... like for Saquon I it, it's a tough situation because I know he wants to get paid but there's no chance that like th- like there, there's a chance that some teams see him and they go all right yeah like you're an older back, and now you've been out of the game for a year. Why would we give you more money now? Right. And I think it's very sad to see because I think we can both say that he's getting screwed. Oh, yeah. The he's Daniel Jones contract, as much as I do think Daniel Jones is a good contract, you could have gave some of that to Saquon. Because Absolutely. I think, I think Daniel Jones relies on Saquon a lot. Mm-hmm. He I mean, does. You got, that, you got those guys like that. You think, you know the 49ers when Brock Purdy went in and everything else like mm-hmm. it's almost like a plug and play system but for some of the time it was the Christian McCaffrey show on offense exactly you got guys like that that can run catch and just are dudes and, and, and that, I think but, but, those guys get paid and I think unfortunately the sad reality is every two years every three years we get a B. John Robinson we get another guy coming up that's faster better and cheaper and I and I think that's more the way that it's going to go because you know, these traditional power backs, it's going to go by the wayside. I don't think you're ever going to really see a Saquon Barkley or a Derrick Henry really drafted ever this high again because just you look can at get the same value in the seventh round. Just look at yeah, exactly. Just look at what the Chiefs did drafting Isaiah Pacheco. Seventh round guy was a monster for them this season. Right. And it's just all about the system. I mean, look at the Patriots. We were playing a we were playing a Marcus Jones if I'm not, you know. Yeah. He was a running back for yeah, some he, of the time. Exactly. So like you, you got like um putting him at running back receiver and that position's just going to end up evolving. I think that, you know, a perfect example of what it's most likely going to become at least that power position. Take a look at the San Francisco 49ers and what they have with Debo Samuel. You right. know, you can line about you can line up Patterson. Outside. Exactly. Same thing. That's what I think the that's what I think the position is going to become more of. It's going to be less of, you know, I have a, you know, on my calendar on the wall. It's a thing I have uh, Ramondre Stevenson. You're going to see less of that and more of the uh, and more of Cordell Cordero Patterson's, um, you know, like uh, Debo Samuels. That's going to be more the direction that it goes, because not only is it just going to become less likely that, you know, these guys do it. You know, if you're a parent and your kid's growing up, there's no way that if like they're legitimate, uh, like a legitimate talent, there's no way that you're going to have them be a running back at this point. I mean, it, yeah, it's, that's ju- just, it's just not there. I it, think the game is just more evolving as well. I mean, it's more worth it to say, all right, like, yeah, like you're like, sure, like you have the ability to like run hard and be a powerful guy. But let's teach you how to catch or at least, you know, block. And maybe you can be a tight. Maybe you can be a smaller tight end or a, just a thicker wide receiver. Like that's right. gonna, I think that that I think that's gonna be more of the trend that you see going forward. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Just because of the way the game's evolving as well. I mean, you see the, um, and and the guys that do stay as maybe traditional running backs will be the McCaffreys, the Alvin Kamara's, the Bijan Robinsons. It's gonna be those guys that can do both, can catch out of the backfield, and kind of act as a secondary. You're gonna receiver. see more of those hybrid roles, and I agree. And I think that's just because of the game evolving. You're getting more high scoring games. You know, you're it, getting more of the like offensive dominated football. And I think it's mostly because you have these stud, stud athletes at quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy like Caleb Williams coming out, like 
just absolute stud like he's going to be coming out the drake man like those guys are just a hybrid you know josh allen patrick mahomes yeah another another guy that around just big arm throwing it and can like scramble too yeah another situation that comes to my mind is when you look over at the philadelphia eagles the way that they were running their qb sneaks with the way that their offensive line was set up they were able to just steal like four or five yards on like a third down by just you know just trusting in that o-line like that I think is just like the way it's going to be too. like the O lines. If they're just going to be this good, there's a chance that it's not going to really matter who you have back there. Exactly. It's not going to matter of like battling through those interior linemen. Right. If your guys are going to be able to just overpower them. I think it's more just due to the fact of the way the game evolves. Like we've been talking. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to pay the offensive line with, I think that's what you really got to do. I mean, they're all pre- paid pretty well, but like yeah. seriously, like so these guys are like, you're having, athletic offensive linemen you're getting d linemen now like dns those are scary dudes they're huge and they can just like run like a 4-4 yeah and it's like nuts and you have those people and yeah i mean it's sad to say but the more thing is you can find that those running back values in the seventh round so i'm really you know it's it's like those teams um gotta say it again you know like the patriots just finding those cornerbacks and stuff i think it's really gonna start to come to that for like other positions yeah and you're just gonna be relying on the later rounds unless you know you have like a Bijan robinson or those guys that are worthy of the high pick but i think it's gonna become a lot more selective with the money yeah 100 percent. now john i know before we go there was one other thing i wanted to discuss and it was uh, a breaking story that came out just the other day and it's the sale of the Washington Commanders football team, Redskins. I don't even know what to call them anymore because they've had three names under the Dan Snyder regime. He is finally out after 24 years. So uh, Dan Snyder obviously having multiple scandals. He's been you know, one of the least liked owners in all of football. How do you feel that he is now out of the position with the team? Um, Honestly, it's kind of crazy because yeah. you think about it like – they, I think they've had more team name changes under him than playoff wins. They have. They've had they've three had, names and they had two playoff this wins. This is a crazy fact. They've never the last eleven win um, season they've had is in nineteen ninety one. Oh my god! So they've been like the definition of mid <laughs> for all this time. Yeah, barely making the wild card. Like I think with RG three, mm-hmm. and that's like twenty thirteen. Maybe Kirk Cousins, but. All pros have had under him, like none. Yeah. Like, I think they had one last year. They had one and one other, and it was offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're trading away that it's just, I, I don't know who is Washington football commanders team. Yeah. Like fans, but I, 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 I don't know them. if they exist anymore, man, because like, like they run, they also play in that rundown shack that's FedEx field. It was field, the right? absolute worst way of doing a football team mm-hmm. and managing one. And I think it is so evident. Yeah, it's so. crazy because, like, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the, you know, I guess the then Redskins of old, like the they definition were, of poverty. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like they, they used to have like at least some kind of, I guess, respect to their name, and now like. They're, they're just, like, considered one of the worst franchises in all of professional sports. Like, they have nothing to yeah. claim at this point. So, I mean, a $6 billion sale, there you know, there's going to be some big-time changes going on there. I know that, um, you know, there were a lot of scandals that went down under the Dan Schneider, uh, Dan Schneider regime, uh, regime. So, we'll have to see how it kind of pans out there. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think he made five billion dollars off the deal, which is pretty. And then funny. he got fined sixty million for all the all the violations that the NFL had with him, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, you got to think they almost killed Alex Smith on that field. Yeah, you had Alex Smith, you had RG three, you had so many knees that got destroyed on that field, mm-hmm. like big time names, and so you got to think about the little time guys too. Yeah. So they almost killed Jalen Hurts. Yeah, literally, like. Oh, it's nuts. And you got to think, the whole operational NFL team. The whole operation top-down is run so poorly. It's ridiculous. So I'm glad they're cleaning. Are they cleaning house? I I, assume so. I don't know what the coaching staff thing is going to look like, but I think that... I think Rivera stays, but you pretty much clean house. Yeah, they they have Rivera. They got Eric Biennemi from from Kansas City. So, I mean... Very exciting. Yeah, it's a a good position for them to be in, and I guess with new ownership, like... Maybe Antonio Gibson will finally become Christian McCaffrey. Who knows? We'll have to see. (laughs) We'll We'll have to see how that pans out, but... John, it's been a very interesting episode. We've had to go across two different recordings. We started on Zoom, ended on my laptop camera. Um, But I appreciate it nonetheless getting to talk some football with you, man. It was great to have you on the show today. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm so excited football season's coming around. It feels like a blessing in these summer months where you have baseball and everything, but it feels like a drought of sports. It's tough to talk about stuff. You have to really get creative on this show. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited, you know, and – Hopefully, uh, you know, I think uh, the NFL is going to be very exciting. I have a couple uh, pretty exciting picks. I think that could win it. So yeah, you want to you want to give some little spoilers on that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I could give some spoilers. I think um, I think my biggest one is that I think um, I think the Vikings will win the Super Bowl. Okay, <laughs> wow. I think the Vikings, or I think the Ravens will okay. win the Super Bowl. Wow. Those are my picks this year. And those are very out of the water. But I think it's or Kansas City, you always got to count in. Sure. But surprise picks, I would say those two. And I think the Carolina Panthers will make the playoffs. Okay. Wow. So uh, I, those are some interesting picks. We'll have to see how those pan out. We'll, uh, Cliffhanger. Yeah. We'll do a little bit more as we get closer to the preseason and the start of the NFL season. But thank you guys so much for tuning into the end of the episode. Um, if you guys want to follow us, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those streaming platforms, as well as YouTube. And you can find us on our Instagram at down.tothewire. So give us a follow over on there. And from Down to the Wire, I'm Brian Costa. And I'm John Warren. And we hope you guys have a great rest of your evening. Take care. Peace out. WJMF Radio.